0: Uh, turning your Bibles to Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, Ephesians chapter four. If you'll be turning there, and while you're doing that, uh, I have a sad word of caution that I, I I need to share. You know, if you've been watching the news and uh, you've known we've experienced in our state a definite uptick in number of cases reported of COVID-19, the Delta strain. In our area, uh, there's been an uptick as well. Not drastic, but there has been. Uh, There was a six-week period of time that we were uh, averaging less than one a day. Now we're averaging about two a day for the last two weeks. This is not a cause for alarm, but for caution. I don't see any reason to go back to the protocols we suffered under last year just yet. However, please be cautious in your interaction with folks. Uh, be aware of any symptoms you might have uh, be keep comfortable distance and wash your hands often and and generally just seek to be safe until this thing passes and and we sincerely hope that it will and it will do so very very quickly we're back to our study that we're doing on satan's best lies satan's best lies he's got some good ones We have learned that Satan himself is a liar. It is his very nature. If he has DNA, that is his DNA. That is who he is. That's what he does. And any lie has its origin in him. He despises God's truth and has a counterfeit for every glorious truth the Lord offers. And so because of that, we're called on to be extra careful and especially in these days and that's where we come to Ephesians 4 and verse 14 Paul writes that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting that is the warning from the word As we've looked at some of satan's best lies we looked on july 4th because he would like us to think that nationalism and patriotism are the same thing and they so very much are not we looked at the second lie that all roads lead to heaven and it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you're sincere then we looked at that truth is just whatever you want it to be and how the world creates its own truth i had to be out last week i appreciate al doing such a wonderful job This morning, I want to focus God's holy word, the light of the scriptures, on the next lie in the series. Here it is. Satan says, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about me. It's all about what I want and what I need and what I hope for and my dreams and my preferences. It's all about me. This is not a new lie. This is as old as... It's Adam and Eve. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Satan came, and he was changing the specifics of the things that God had said and tempting Mama Eve. And verse 6 says that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, so, when she saw that, she took of its fruit, and she ate. And she also gave to her husband, and he ate. What happened here? Satan mixed his lies with God's holy word and God's truth. And look, he said, you know, you don't, you don't really have to obey God. He hadn't really said that, has he? He offered her life on her own terms. God was restricting her freedom. Didn't he give her and Adam the command of all of the garden? She deserved to have life her own way. She was entitled to make her own decisions and rules. So she saw that the fruit was good and pleasant to the eyes. She wanted it. And if she wanted it, why shouldn't she have it? And then she saw that, that if she ate of it, she would be like God, who would not want to be like God. And so she took of it. And she ate, and she gave to her husband, and he ate. And you and I have been paying for her sin ever since. But we've also been repeating it ever since and making it our own. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you to illuminate our spirits to bring the word of life to light before our eyes. Satan is crafty. He's a counterfeit. And without you, Holy Spirit, we will be deluded just like the world and society that we live in. Already some of these lies are finding its way prominently within the church. And we see The waves, and we feel the earthquake of Christians embracing this lie. Help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and minister to our hearts as only you can in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth. In his name we make our prayer. Amen. It's all about you. That's the lie and that lie leads us to a sense of entitlement entitlement write that down in your notes entitlement you could also refer to it as consumerism and a new uh, word if you please has been coined today is meism egocentrism, at all the world revolves around me. And let me just hasten to say this line of thinking has not restricted itself to our secular world. We experience it in the church of Jesus Christ today. How do we know that entitlement has come to the church? How do we know that we're driven by consumerism? Let me just give you a few quotes. Maybe they'll ring a bell. I've been a member of this church for 20 years. I get to say how things ought to be done. Someone is sitting on that pew, and that's where I always sit. I tithe to this church, so you work for me. People are going to be in trouble. If they don't see way, things the way I do. We'll just visit another church until they come to their senses over there. I'll withhold my money until they change back to the way I like it. I could go on, couldn't you? Evidence that this consumeristic mentality is seeping into the pores of the church of Jesus Christ in America today. Many of you knew Brother Danny. He was my predecessor here. was here 15 wonderful years. Tremendous man. Love him so very much. And he's known for, for his uh, one-liners and his witticisms. He and I were talking about this one day. And in his own inevitable, slow-speaking way, he said, Brother Freya, you need to understand. People blow in. They blow up and then they blow out. It's just the way it is. Doesn't that sound like Brother Danny? But that's life in America today because churches are there to win consumers, not converts. When people go looking for a church or or when they choose to leave a church, It's not because of doctrinal issues usually. That's happening some now because there are some denominations that are making some rather immoral choices right now. But mostly people don't don't leave a church because of of a lack of doctrinal integrity. They don't leave a church because the preaching doesn't have depth or application. They don't leave a church because there wasn't enough humility and brokenness over sin. They don't leave a church because there was not opportunities for service. They leave a church because it wasn't meeting my preferences and my needs and my expectations. Which has absolutely nothing to do with the eternal Word of God. And listen that's why people choose churches too they'll do it my way they'll have it at the time that I like that's convenient for me and they'll do the songs and the music and the preaching that I like and that's why they choose a church and what we find right here is a consumeristic attitude in the church of Jesus Christ I want you to know there is no such thing as Christian consumerism. It is a myth and a lie generated from the pit of hell that people are grabbing onto and holding onto like they have a right to kidnap the church of Christ and hold it hostage. Let me quote from Brandi Webb. She's got a wonderful blog, and I love reading it. She writes, humans in general can tend to be very selfish and sometimes extremely egocentric. Some may call it survival instincts. But I believe we just like to get our way. And we do not like it when we don't. However, I've finally figured out that things usually do not go my way and that everybody doesn't always agree with me. In fact, the world does not and probably never will revolve around me, so I better get over myself if I'm going to find any happiness in this life." End quote." That someone has a sober attitude. When I was doing my undergraduate work for a degree in psychology, one of the, the many uh, people in their work that we needed to study was a man named my name was Jean Piaget. And he was known for teaching the cognitive stages of development in children. And he looked at how children developed and how they grew and how their reasoning and understanding grew. And one of the stages of cognitive development in children is the egocentric stage where the child thinks the world just kind of revolves all the way around them all the time. And they can't see out of that. And they can't understand why the world around them does not agree with them. Now, Piaget says, most children outgrow that stage by seven years of age. But he went on to say, many times we get stuck at stages and we never outgrow them. Could that be part of what's going on? We've never outgrown that cognitive stage of development where the world has to revolve around us. In Piaget's terms, we're stuck. Back in the 18th century, a writer and egotist by the name of Oscar Wilder, he was often known to say, please come over here and sit next to me. I'm dying to tell you all about myself. (laughs) Welcome to modern America. In similar fashion, here's, here's the line of thinking at this stage. Now, follow me. If you understand, you will agree with me. But if you don't agree with me, obviously you don't understand. Now, now this is called pre-adolescent reasoning. Pre-adolescent reasoning. If you understand this matter, then you agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, obviously you don't understand. Your preteen comes to you. And says, I want to go over to so-and-so's house. You know there's going to be a party over there. You know there's going to be drinking. You know all the rest of that's going to happen. And you say no. And they say, you don't understand. If you understood, you would let me go. But because you won't let me go, obviously you don't understand. It's inconceivable that you could understand and not agree with them. adolescent reasoning not adult not mature and definitely not spiritually grounded but that is the world we live in that is the America that we live in every day egocentric consumer-minded people think that everybody has to believe the way they do because it makes perfectly good sense to them and if it doesn't make sense to you then you don't have any sense This lie leads to Christian egocentrism. Spiritually, let me tell you what's happening here. Spiritually, what's happening here, when I do this, when I give in to this kind of thinking, I'm refusing to be led by the Spirit of God, and I'm choosing to be led by my own carnal self, my own worldly thinking. I have adapted my life to the world's way of thinking, and I'm not seeing things through the lens of Holy Scripture. Jesus said this, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I cannot be denying myself and demanding to have my own way at the same time. And neither can you It's impossible to deny oneself and demand one's own way at the same time. Tom Rainer, who is the CEO of Lifeway, you know, you've heard about Lifeway before, our publishing house, he wrote an article about when entitlement comes to church. May I quote? In a very general sense, entitlement typically means that someone is due certain benefits, economic or otherwise. The term usually refers to massive federal and state programs that guarantee citizens some incomes or benefits. As of this time, federal government has 235 entitlement programs that cost taxpayers over one trillion dollars a year. Entitlement, however, is not confined to certain leaders or government aid recipients. It's epidemic and widespread at every level of family and society. Have you ever known an employee with a good salary and benefits to complain because he's not receiving more? He feels entitled. Entitlement creeps into our marriages. We accept our spouses to serve us in a particular way because maybe our parents treated that way, or maybe that's the way just we imagine it ought to be. A wonderful article. You read the whole thing. Here's the point. He's saying this has become a way of thinking for the American people, and it's permeating into the church. It's Satan's lie. It's all about you. It's all about me. That's Satan's lie. What's the truth? The truth of the Word of God says it's all about Jesus Christ. That our lives are not egocentric, but Christocentric. We revolve around him. He is our master. He is our Lord. He is the one who purchased us with his life's blood. We belong to him. That's what the Bible says. And to follow him, we have to deny ourselves to where we can let him be our Lord and our master. That's so simple to say. And yet, living in this world where we're permeated with meism is so difficult to do. The one place, the one place that consumerism has no place is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no room on any pew for that kind of mentality in a family of God who confesses to be Christ followers, denying themselves and taking up their cross daily to where they could follow Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? Mark ten forty-five. For even the Son of Man did not come to... He, he did not come to be served, but rather to serve and to give His life... A ransom for many he came to be a servant he had every right to have his own way to demand things be done his way but he chose to come as a servant and to give his life deny himself take up his cross that you and I might be saved. And the Scripture tells us in Philippians 2, 5, that we are to make our own attitude the attitude of Jesus Christ. That way of life lies in the face of consumerism. Roy Delamotte was chaplain for Payne College here in Georgia some time ago, and he's rather famous there now for a sermon he preached. Here's the title for the sermon. What does Christ answer when we ask, Lord, what's in religion for me? That's the title of his sermon. As chapel began that day, he announced the title of his sermon. And he led in prayer. Then he read his sermon title again. What does Christ answer when we ask, Lord, what's in religion for me? And he paused and he said, Nothing. Nothing. And he closed in prayer and left the chapel he was asked later what was that sermon about he said I'm sick and tired of this gimme gimme gospel in the world when it's not about us it's about him one of his students asked him how long did it take you to write that one-word sermon he said about 20 years. Because you see, you got to get over yourself before you can embrace the reality of the word of God. You see, the truth calls us to deny ourself. To deny ourself. You, you see what Jesus commands? Consumers deny themselves nothing. They demand everything for themselves. And will not be denied and if you infringe on their entitlement they'll just take their money and they'll walk out the door and they'll find a church that they can pay enough to do exactly what they want them to do consumerism in America has come to church has come to church Christ calls us to deny this temptation, and, and when we do, we take up our cross. The cross is a symbol of death. We agree to die to our entitlement, to die to this consumeristic meism. We die to that authentic, real Christianity, biblical faith. Says we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive only to righteousness. We present our bodies as living sacrifices unto God, which is our reasonable service. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We put away sin. We walk in humility, putting others' interests ahead of our own. We live our lives around the gospel of Jesus Christ. We keep ourselves unstained from the world. We will not befriend the world. We follow Christ unconditionally. We embrace the suffering that comes along that, and we mourn over our sin, and we repent of it in dust and ashes. But that doesn't sound like Christianity in America today because that's not self-serving. That's God-serving and others-serving, which sure does look like the Bible as I read about it, The church, the way I read about it in my Bible. The truth leads Christians to serve. Servanthood is what dominates the lives of genuine church members. Putting others first is our first priority. Entitlement has no place in the body of Christ. There's no place for a self serving attitude. To the contrary, we're to give ourselves cheerfully in service of others. Now, these entitlements are going to continue in the federal government. I see no time that they're going to end. Marriages are going to continue to fail because of this consumeristic mentality. Employees are never going to be happy. They're never getting enough. They're never being paid what they're worth. But entitlement has to end in the church of Jesus Christ. Countless believers went to church this past weekend. Most of them were not concerned with the style of the music. Most were not concerned at how long the pastor preached. They were not the least bit concerned if the budget reflected their self-interest. Because these were brothers and sisters in Christ and the persecuted church. And the only thing that mattered was gathering together as a body of Christ. And giving themselves to the absolute service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, we're not under that kind of persecution here. I want us to have a spirit of consuming servanthood in our church. Because biblical faith revolves around Jesus Christ. You know, you, you know how, we've, how we've taken even that and changed it? If I were the only person on planet earth, Jesus would have still come and died for me. Now, that's absolutely true, but it's not about you. The only faith on planet Earth where God sacrifices Himself for His creation is Christianity. You are saved because God took the initiative to die for you, to pull you and draw you to Himself, to declare you just and no longer condemned. This originated out of him. He did not do that for you. He did that for himself. Because it pleased him in his plan from before the world began to make a way that you might be saved. He loves us individually, he loves us collectively. But our service is what brings him glory. Our salvation is to bring him glory. Our lives are to bring him glory because he saves us from life being about us and frees us to life being about him. Why else do you think our missionaries leave and go to foreign fields? About them? Oh. No. Why else do people live, leave lucrative careers to go and be engaged in Doctors Without Borders or be engaged in, in representing people pro bono because they're believers in Christ? Why, why do you think people sacrifice? It's because it's not about them, it's about Christ and what he wants. D.L. Moody was famous for saying this. <laughs> God sends no one away empty except those that are already too full of themselves. The truth sets you free. Sets you free from the lie. Sets you free from the world. Sets you free from self. Sets you free to serve Him. How do we do this? If any man will come after me, everybody here, everybody at home, if any man will come after me the first step is to deny yourself in the words of modern-day America get over yourself first step is to get over yourself and then take up your cross which means you die you die to your way you die to your to you, you die to your way to where you can live for him and his way this is the gospel. This is authentic faith. Don't buy a lie when God offers you truth. Will you pray with me? Father, I can preach this with passion because I've believed that lie. I've bought into that garbage before, and I know how it can destroy so tempting it's so tempting to measure everything by what's in it for me oh, that's why lies so so effective lord and and it it's so easy to give into and then it eats me alive it alienates me from my wife it separates me from my kids It damages my relationships at work. I become king of a kingdom of one, which is exactly what Satan wants. God, forgive us for making life and especially for making church all about us. You call us here to go forth and serve. You call us here to be encouraged and empowered to go forth and serve. You call us here so we can go forth denying ourselves and taking up your cross and following you. Holy Spirit, may that be what life's all about. Lord, this morning, there's some here that have never made that sold-out commitment to you. They've never denied their self. They've never died to their way of doing things. But this morning, they hear about a God who loves them, who died on the cross to take their sins upon himself, who rose again so that they might know genuine freedom. And there's a hunger in their heart to receive that kind of faith. But right now, Lord Jesus, hear them as they pray along with me, as they say, Dear God, I've made so much of my life about me, about what I want, about my hopes and dreams and goals, about what's most pleasant for me. I've lived my life that way, but, oh, this morning I found out that breaks the heart of eternal God. And that's absolutely against everything your word teaches and everything church is about. Oh, God, I'm ashamed. God, I'm, I, I confess this before you. I, I, I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me. I, I want you to be on the throne in my life. I want you to be the Lord in my life. I want you to be my master and my king. I want to surrender to you. Father, anyone who's, that's their attitude right now. In the next few minutes as Ed leads us in song I pray that they'll stand up from wherever they are they'll come down here to the altar and pray or they'll take Eric or Derek by the hand and just say will you pray with me I want to know what it is to die to myself to where I can live for Christ others may want to come and pray for themselves or others or pray for a church If there's ever a time that it all needs to be about Jesus. It's now, in this transitional time. Maybe someone would join our fellowship. Lord, this is your time. May Jesus be high and lifted up. May we say yes to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.